Catherine Norland. And do you have any idea how incredible you are? Do you know that there is nobody like you in the entire world? Even if you're an identical twin, you don't even have the same fingerprints as your identical twin. God made you on purpose, for a purpose, and uniquely designed you just the way you are to do something that only you can do and nobody else. Find out more by listening to The Atomic Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Coming to you live from Delavan, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, she's a filmmaker and actress, Catherine Norlin. Catherine, how are you? Oh my goodness, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being on the show. Like we were talking before I started recording, I came across one of your videos and it's a very motivational video. And I was telling you that, you know, you do a lot of, uh, you do a lot of videos like that, correct? Like you do a lot of videos to inspire people and plus like inspire yourself in what, in some ways, right? Yeah. You know, when I go through stuff in life, that's hard and I, I overcome it and I get to the other side, I think to myself, you know what, there are probably some other people who are going through this right now, and let me just share the tips that help me get over it or what I would do, because I think a lot of people, when they're going through stuff, they feel alone, and they feel like probably no one understands what they're going through, and, and sometimes they're embarrassed to tell people what they're struggling with, and so I just like to put out videos once or twice a week to let people know, hey... I've been there. This is this is what you can do to get over it. Yeah, especially in this, you know, um, everybody has, you know, demons and whatnot they're dealing with. And before we start getting talking into different things, um, how are you dealing with COVID nineteen and quarantine life, and how how are you coping? Um, you know, it was a. <clears throat> It was, in some ways, a difficult adjustment at first because uh-huh. you felt a little bit, well, I don't say you felt, people in general and certainly me felt a little bit, there was a little bit of fear behind it, a uh-huh. little bit of, um, oh my gosh, this is a, this is, you know, this could take us all out, yeah. <laughs> you know, not, you know, being afraid to take my kids to the grocery store and you know, the glove, having to wear gloves and masks and sanitize and take, when I would get home, I would take every piece of clothing off and sanitize it and wash it and not, not pick up and hug my kid till I change my clothes. And, you know, cause it was blown up in the media to be so, like, such a scary threat, yeah. but not too long after I, you know, I was used to be going to auditions constantly into different meetings and uh, events and producing and film script stuff and and everything came to a halt i was um producing a wrestling show and going to wrestling practice twice a week there was just a bunch of stuff and then everything went to a stop and i decided instead of like moping around or feeling bad that i wasn't going to have a good career this year or be in a lot of projects i started to think well what can i do with all this downtime how can i use this downtime to make a difference in what my dreams and goals are and not just you know, sit on the couch and watch Netflix and get gain the COVID-15. <laughs> um, 
And so I, you know, I took a few months and I rewrote one of my, I rewrote my first book that I wrote 12 years ago. And I spent like three months rewriting every single poem in the book. And I'm actually about to release that October 30th. So I used my time productively to rewrite a book I've been wanting to rewrite for the last 10 years. Oh, okay. What made you decide to rewrite the book? Like what was, what did you add to it that it wasn't, you didn't add to it 12 years ago? Yeah, so when I wrote it, I had such a a heart to share this message, uh, a message with people about overcoming and being a conqueror in life and not being held down. And and my writing skills, I love the message, but as I've grown in my writing skills, I realized, you know, I could have said these things differently. I could have simplified this message. I could have made this funnier, more uplifting, shorter. I didn't have to repeat myself or you know, so it was a lot of just refining it, really honing in on the message, making it more impactful and heavy hitting and something's a little lighter and fun so people could laugh but still have that poignant effect on their heart. <clears throat> yeah. I just felt like I could tell the story better now that I've had more writing experience. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I you know, sometimes you look back at stuff you do and you're like, oh, that's terrible. I would have done it so much different now. But I, I love the quote Marie Forleo says, she says, if you're not embarrassed by the first thing you put out, then you waited too long. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm certainly not going to be embarrassed about my new second edition of Poetic Prescriptions for Pesky Problems because it's, it's, I just love it and I had so much fun rewriting it. Uh, you're a woman of many, of many talents. Um, you're, uh, you know, um, an actor and filmmaking. Um, what, 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 like, what led you into the entertainment field? Like, how did that passion come about? Yeah, kind of funny. It must have been in me as a little child because I remember doing a play in grade school and trying to direct a play in grade school, and then I would put on shows for all my mom's friends. But then high school happened and I became awkward and puberty and I had low self-esteem and I felt like I didn't have friends and I was bullied a lot for having two different colored eyes and I felt like nobody, I know, I felt like nobody could relate to me and, you know, understand. And, um, sweetheart, can you ask grandma for help? I'm on the phone. (laughs) Sorry about that. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um. So yeah, I did. I squashed that. If there, if there was any of that entertainment stuff in me, I squashed it, and I felt like, you know what, my life isn't worth much. Nobody cares about me. I was kind of in a depression and suicidal in my late teens and early twenties, and but I I felt like I wanted to help people. Uh-huh. I wanted to help other people. I was like, well, I'm not worth much, but everybody else is. Uh-huh. So what can I do to help them? I thought maybe I'll be a nurse or a teacher or something that helps people. And then one day, there was this traveling play that came through town, and it came to my church, and they didn't have enough actors to be in it. So they pulled me in to do a role as this, like, loose woman who gets, she's this drug addict. She gets dragged into the pit of hell and all this (laughs) crazy stuff. And anyway, all these people that saw the play afterwards came forward and wanted to give their life to God. And I was like... They wanted to lead a better life after seeing this acting play. And I thought, you know, you had to be a pastor or a teacher or a, you know, a nurse or something to help people. And then seeing that you could be an actor and make a difference, it was, it was really crazy to me. I was going to Bible school 
at the time um, and doing a church service for inmates at the local jail. And then I just felt like, I felt like I kept telling me, go to Los Angeles and be an actor. And I thought, that is crazy talk. That Mm -hmm. is like where all the debauchery happens. (laughs) That can't be God talking to me. But when I finally said yes, six hours later, I had my first audition and I've been in well over 200 projects since. And it's, yeah. It's been a fun and interesting ride. Yeah. It's been a fortunate career for you in that aspect of always having work. And um, how is it, you know, a person with your beliefs? um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who live secular lives in Los Angeles, but there's people who are... um, who are, who are born again or um, have, who have different religions as well. Like, how do you deal with the different diversity of people and their beliefs? Um, I don't think it's something you have to deal with. I think okay. people are just going to be people, and I'm just going to do the best I can to spread love. Okay. And it's not my place to judge what other people do. That's between them and God. So if I can be a love vessel and encourager and help people, you know, see things differently, you know, get on, get some freedom on areas where they feel bound, or if I can help in any way be just lighten someone's load, I feel like I've done my job. And, you know, it's not, it's not up to me to change anyone's beliefs. They're gonna, you know, that's something they have to come to on their own. Yeah, you were talking about your eyes, and there's another there's another actor that has similar eyes like you, and that's Kate Bosworth. Um, yeah. You always you know, you said you got teased when you was little with your eyes, like like mm. kids were really bad because you had a blue eye. I thought they would probably think that that's cool. You have a blue eye and a brown eye, like would they? You know, no, that was not cool. Oh. <laughs> even when I moved to Los Angeles, um, even my manager was calling me a Barnum and Bailey circus freak, and she made me get colored contacts to make my eyes match, and I had to get photo shoots with my eyes matching so people wouldn't think I was, like, a freak. You know, they wanted me to blend in. And <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, that, that's crazy because, like, it's it, it just it puts a unique spin on you, you know? You're not just... Mm. You're not cookie cutter, blonde like everyone else. Like you know that yeah. it pretty much highlights you. So that's your character, you know. But oh, thank you. No, no problem. Um, so, um, what was your first gig when you got to California? Like, what, do you remember your first acting role? I'm sure it was in some student film because that's usually where people start. Okay. <laughs> they do student films because there's filmmakers that are in school trying to figure stuff out. Um. I think it was called Seeds. It's not even listed on IMDb. It was a black and white movie. Oh, wow. Uh, Okay. Yeah, it was from a film school at Chapman University. I don't, I don't really remember much about it, (laughs) except I was being chased by a murderer, I think. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so you must have a good scream voice then, right? You have a good yell? Uh, no, I Really, it was a silent movie, actually. Oh, okay. That's a, a lot of film schools, they get assignments to have, you have to make a movie without words to see if you have visual filmmaking skills, because you shouldn't rely on having, you know, the script. You know, people, when they watch movies, they don't want to hear a lot of people sitting around talking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's more of a play. So, yeah, I didn't say anything in it. And I've actually turned down roles that were like, scream queen roles because i don't want to get known as that kind of type of actress <laughs> <laughs> no, i gotcha um what's the best part about los angeles like what you love about los angeles well the weather of course yes i'm from, I'm from minnesota <laughs> it's like 
very cold and snowy there right now. And here, sometimes we're still running our air conditioner in October. So that's a nice, nice change. Yeah. So the, like the most warm thing you wear outside is pretty much just a sweater, right? You don't have like a North Face jacket or nothing like that. No, I don't have any big jackets anymore. No, no clothes like that anymore. Um, um, do you miss the seasons though? Like, cause you know, cause I'm in Wisconsin and you know, we have the seasons yeah. snow pretty much sucks, but you know, we get it. But do you miss like the yeah. change of seasons? Um, I have to say not really. Oh, wow. I mean, the trees are pretty when they turn, their leaves turn colors, but there's still places around here where you, you drive just, you know, 40, 50 miles. You can see that still. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, in, in involved in films, um, what what genre appeals to you the most? Like, do you prefer all genres, or do you have a specific genre that you like more than others? Um, I, you know, I'm kind of I kind of lean towards comedy, but I haven't comedy. had, you know, I just uh, two years ago I started working for Darman Studios, and I had they don't really do comedies, mm. so um, I am actually in directing class right now, so I've been making some short films myself directing them and i've just did a, a really funny farce comedy film and i really enjoyed that i like i like to make people laugh and have fun and be silly yeah. um, but i don't get as much chance to do that as i'd like uh, i know the transition from actor to director a lot of actors do that what what is it about directing that appeals to you um it's, it feels nice to have your hand on the creative aspect on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. You're not just creating your character. You're creating, you're helping create every single character involved and even the shots. And, you know, you have a say in everything, you know, the backgrounds, the props. It, it's like everything. You're telling a picture with every single component, the sound, the music. It's It's just creating on a much more... I don't know, a, not, not yeah, bigger scale, a more uh, exhaustive. I don't even know if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. It's just in, more encompassing, I guess, is the word. Yeah, um, I know you have a lot of different versatile roles, like horror as well. Um, is it is, is is like horror and like gore something that appeals to you too? Uh, you know, funny you say that. I just. My movie that I uh, executive produced, produced, and starred in, Cannibal Corpse Killers, just came out in August. So it's available at Walmart, and it's it's streaming on all different kinds of platforms like Apple TV, Google Play, Fandango Now, Voodoo, select cable providers, and uh, it's on. You know, it's it's like out everywhere, and it's kind of exciting to see. This was um, something I didn't necessarily see myself doing but it was so much fun i would be you know going to the costume shops and going to the prop places and buying like decapitated heads and coming <laughs> home with like bloody torso body parts <laughs> at the dining room. dining room like my little son com- comes in and the dining room table i've got like this bloody skeleton sitting at the table <laughs> <laughs> perfect for <laughs> halloween the, yeah the fun stuff of filmmaking yeah, so it's been exciting to see the feedback. We've gotten a lot of good reviews on Cannibal Corpse Killers, and oh, it's been really fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the highlight on working on Cannibal Corpse Killers? Like, what was the highlight for you? Oh, the highlight. Mm, there were so many.
many fun and memorable moments. I, I love the fight scenes. I had never before this movie really got to do much in the way of fight scenes. And I think I had at least four or five fight scenes in this movie. And that was a lot of fun being physical and yeah. Well, did you have to practice a lot for that or is it something that? No. No? Okay. Well, we had maybe, we would have maybe, we would practice for like an hour or two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe the week before the shoot. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh. I heard before you said, I think we were talking earlier, you said you was producing a wrestling thing as well? You did something with wrestling? Oh, yeah. I was, I was, um, I did a TV pilot about seven years ago uh, about, it was a wrestling show. And um, I don't know, something happened that fell apart. It didn't, ever, it didn't ever get picked up or anything. And then, so I've been, I was producing uh, a wrestling show called, uh, flow fabulous ladies of wrestling and it was actually put together by matt simber who's the actual creator of the original glow show from the late 80s and the early 90s or oh, okay. just ladies of wrestling okay. so he hired me to play one of the characters on it as well as produce the show and we were doing that at two day, you know two days a week and we did a lot of filming up until COVID happened and all the gyms shut down. So there was nowhere to practice anymore. And, you know, the filming shut down and all that. So I don't know what will happen next year. If, if, if even the care, if even the, our cast of characters, our female wrestlers are even going to be interested in continuing on, or if we're going to have to recast the whole thing, or maybe we'll be in different places, you know, so many factors. Yeah, I know. I think COVID has changed a lot from, from like you said, gyms, Restaurants capacities to twenty five percent, and and yeah. the, and Walmart closing. You know, Walmart used to be twenty four hours. Now, in certain areas oh. they close at eight thirty. They close at ten, depending oh, on where you're in. So it, it's just crazy how everything changed. Um, do you see? You know, I, know, I ask a lot of people this. Do you see any changes next year? Do you think we still gonna have this? That's it's tough to. It's tough to forecast. Yeah. I'd like to think I'd like to think we'll go back to normal, but I think normal is going to be different. Yeah, I know this is like the new That's, normal, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's not going to be the same. You find it, you find a new normal, but it's not going to be like it used to be. Yeah, that's that's so true. The, the sad part that I hope doesn't happen. I hope that we can still congregate in groups and that people aren't going to shy away from hugging again and you know having close intimacy with their friends and loved ones and that i just pray that the fear is gone you know yeah um i read telling from your melodious tones in your voice you've done a lot of voice work um what is like how do you like what what is it about voice work and just just having your voice the way it is like do you do a lot of practice on your voice like what like what that entails Oh, that's funny. Um, I have not done as much voice work as you would think. Really? And I, (laughs) that was one of those things growing up that was like a thorn in my side, like my two different colored eyes. I used to get made fun of for my voice all the time. Really? So I, twice this week, I think I got approached to do voice stuff and I, I said, no, (laughs) I I think, um, I, People used to say that I had a baby voice and people would call the house and ask for my, uh, you know, they'd say, is your mom there? I'm like, I am the mom. <laughs> <laughs> and 
so I kind of got like a paranoid about sounding too young or, you know, but I have worked on my voice to try to make it sound lower or deeper so I don't sound like a kid anymore. But, no, your voice sounds perfect. It's, it's perfect. Oh, that's funny because I, I used to like be like, oh, and I've lost acting roles because of my voice. So I was always like, nobody likes my voice. <laughs> oh my god but, but, but like what, what kind of voice they were looking for like a raspy smoker voice like what kind of voice they were looking for where they kind of oh i don't i you know i don't recall i don't recall i had a, I, but i did have a voice mission this week to play a squirrel oh <laughs> <laughs> a southern squirrel oh my look at her look at her go over there in the shade like cutest little thing <laughs> You see, that's, you, I don't know. you see, you know, probably, probably anybody Southern right now is horrified at that terrible <laughs> take on that accent, <laughs> but it was a squirrel. It wasn't a real person. Yeah. <laughs> I think it could be a little cartoony. Oh my God. I can't believe you got teased about your voice though. Very... Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh. You know, it was in gymnastics and each year we would get, um, like little awards at the end of the year where people would give you a present based on how they saw you. And my girlfriend, I had a girlfriend, Michelle, my, she was my best friend. They gave her like a black belt because they knew she was in Taekwondo. And that was like, they gave her like a fashion belt, but it represented her, you know, getting a black belt in Taekwondo or whatever. And everyone got their fun little gift that people said it reminds of. When it got to me, <laughs> This like horrified me for years. They gave me jars of baby food. <laughs> and and they said they used to always chant to me on the bus when we'd go to do meets for gymnastics. They'd say, Baby talk, baby talk, it's a miracle you can walk. So these are things from childhood wow. that can haunt you years later. And now, you know, I'm not I'm not paranoid about my voice anymore, but you still remember those stinging remarks because they were at a time in your life when you were still forming who you were and who you were going to be in the world. Yeah. And, and the things that you thought about, the things that other people thought about you that you thought, oh, they must be right. <laughs> and it's, it's sometimes it takes years to break that off and go, you know what? They were just being cruel. Yeah. You know, it's not the truth. Right. So, and that's, and that's part of that. That's what, you know, motivates me to put these videos out to help people because someone is always fighting a silent battle that you don't know about. Mm -hmm, and yes. if I can help shed the light or, you know, crack open their prison bars and set them free from what they're going through, that's, that's what gives me the most joy. Yeah. What's been your most watched motivational video? I don't know. I would have to go <laughs> go on my YouTube page and yeah. look at the analytics. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't keep track. <laughs> oh, but like, is, is there something that's like always like someone's always commenting about, like a, a particular video? Like, oh, I've seen this video and I, you know, I was inspired by you. Or is there any particular video like offhand that you could just think of that people? Saw? Oh, no, no. I think it's a collective. I think people, you know. The, the comment that I think I appreciate the most is when people say, I didn't think anyone understood what I was going through. Mm. You, you know, you nailed it. And I think that, I think it's so important to help people know that they're not alone, that they're, that they're not struggling, that there's other people that are going through it and understand. And I think, is it okay to talk about God on your show? Yes, yes, yes. yes oh, okay. Because um, where I see the biggest... 
the biggest atrocities happen in people's mindset is when they believe the gifts and the talents they have that God has given them, that they're common that they're no big deal, that anybody, you know, if God gave you the gift of, of, of calligraphy or writing or um, what, putting, like, putting a motor together a certain way or home decorating, a certain, whatever your gifts and talents are that sets you apart, you know, the devil will tell you that's common. Nobody cares. Anybody can do that. Why would you write another book? There's already 200 books out on that topic. The world doesn't need another book like that. But, you know, whatever you're doing, the devil will tell you, that's no big deal. Anybody can do that. And then you feel like, why bother? I'm not even going to try. Why put my stuff out there? It's not going to make a difference. It doesn't matter. And then, so the devil tells you that your gifts are like nothing, no big deal. But then he'll tell you what you're struggling with. Nobody will understand. People will think you're a freak. You can't tell anybody that. If you tell anyone you're going through that, they won't like you. They won't want to be your friend. They'll, they'll, you know, you'll, you'll lose everybody. You're not, they're not going to forgive you for that if they know what you did. So it's, the devil attacks us twofold by telling us our God-given gifts that are wonderful are like commonplace and nothing. And then he tells us that, the thing we're struggling with, nobody would understand. We're by ourselves. You better keep your mouth shut. Keep to yourself. Don't tell anyone. So he isolates us. He isolates us, gets us to be by ourselves, not open up and share with anyone what we're going through, and then not put our put our work out there. Use our gifts and talents because nobody cares. And that's, for me, I see that's what I'm trying to get people to see, to break them out of and say, you know, you are important. The gifts and talents you have, nobody else has. I don't care how many people can put motors together or write calligraphy or do that art that you're doing or teach kids the way you're doing. Nobody can do it the way you're doing it. The way you do it, the way God purposed for you to do it, to make the difference that only you can make. And even if there are a hundred other people doing it similar to you, they're not going to have your exact flair and pizzazz, but also you have your own audience. Each person has their own audience. Maybe there's Maybe there's 10 other people like me who write quirky, motivational poetry with a punch for Jesus freaks, spiritual snobs, believers bustling to be better, and hypocrites hankering to be holy. But no one is going to resonate with me that that is meant to resonate with somebody else. So you may have something that's the same as someone else, but people will resonate with you and not this other person. We all have our own audience that we're supposed to reach and people are waiting for us to step into our calling, to step into our gifting, to do that thing that's in us. And that is going to change them. There's somebody waiting for you to, to put this blog, podcast, whatever it is, out into the world so that they can be changed, moved, touched, and inspired, and they can then go after that dream that's unique in their heart. And when you share with people, when you share what you've been through, even if it sounds like, you know, there are support groups, there are counselors you can talk to, your best friend, whatever, when you share what you're going through, that heavy, dark secret can't hold its power over you anymore. Just the act of you sharing, you know what, I did this thing, I was 17, I'm not proud of it, I'm embarrassed, you know, whatever it is, I, 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 I had an abortion, I, I, you know, I 
kicked this dog. I, you know, I, I slapped a child. I did whatever it is that you think I cheated on so-and-so. Whatever you think is the unforgivable sin, it's not. God will forgive you. You repent, you let it go, and you share with someone. It lifts that burden, that darkness. Secrets can only hold their power over you when they are hidden. So I'm just, I just encourage everyone, whatever is making you feel shame, making you want to hide, making you not playful out and be the full version of yourself you can because you're so afraid someone's going to find out that one thing you did, you know what? You just tell people before they can find out. How's that? That's how it loses its sting. You know what? You're afraid someone's going to find out you did this. Why don't you tell them, hey. You know, that's not obviously not something you tell them on the first time you meet someone. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm so and so, and I uh, I kicked a kid when I was, you know, whatever. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it just it releases the sting and loses its power and helps you be able to walk in freedom and not be scared that someone's going to find something out because you've already you're an open book. You've written about it. You've told people about it, and then it can't hold its power over you anymore. Yeah, that, that yeah, that's so true because a lot of people have a lot of like dark secrets. Like they don't share. There's a lot of people that are going through things. They have nobody to talk to because, and it, yeah. it you know it comes like some people can't afford a therapist or their insurance doesn't cover it or right. um, it's partial insurance or there's people they can't even talk to or there's people that isolate by themselves. So you know it's yeah. it's, it's it's a breath of fresh air where you could put something out there and it talks to somebody or whoever's dealing with something. So that's very inspiring to a lot of people too. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I know there's a, a people worry what other people will think, mm -hmm. and yeah. I get it. I was stuck in that mode for years, being a people pleaser. I, I did I, almost everything I did was based on: is somebody going to like this? Will somebody be mad at me if I do this? If I do this, what will so and so think? And that is a prison. That mm -hmm. is a prison you don't want to be in. Yeah. So you, you have to not, you know, what somebody else thinks of you. It, it says more about them than it does you, but it's also their problem. It's it's none of my business what other people think of me. Yeah. Yeah, that's inspiring, Catherine, because, you know, I love that motto that you have because, you know, you put everything out there for yourself. Like, look, this is who I am. This is this is my what my, what my belief is. This is my faith. You know, take it or leave it, you know, basically. You yeah. Know? And, and I think that's important for people to do so many people are straddling the fence mm -hmm. they don't want to pick a side they don't they want to appeal to most people but you know sitting on a fence is not comfortable yeah. you either need to jump on this side of the fence or jump on the other side of the fence and i i think there's that again there's a lot of freedom in that too um trying to appeal to everyone you're going to appeal to no one mm -hmm. you're going to be so blah or vanilla flavored that it's not you know what don't be afraid to be that you know peppermint flavor or that rocky road or whatever mm -hmm. yeah. yes a lot of people don't like peppermint but the people who do are going to love you even more it's like when you put your messages out into the world don't try to appeal to everyone you want people to come across your stuff and either be like heck yeah or heck no yeah. you don't want people to come across you to go nah Mm -hmm. There's a hundred like that on there. Eh, eh, <laughs> yeah. Nothing special. Yeah. So, I mean, like the old, like, like they say, let your freak flag fly. Yep. Just be you. <laughs> be as wild and crazy as you want to be. Because um, who cares, right? Yeah. The people who love you are going to love you, and the people who don't, guess what? It's their loss. Yeah. It's you, not your loss. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. You want the real deal from the phony baloneys. You know, like you want people to <laughs> like you want people to like you for you and you're gonna be who you are because that's who you are. You're not gonna convert or change for no one. Like, oh, this person doesn't doesn't like is an atheist, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an atheist too, just so I could please that person. Or this person is yeah. this way, so I'm gonna be this way too, so I can get in good with that. Like, no, you know, this is who I am. And if you have a problem with that, then you know, then that's fine. But this, I'm not gonna change myself just because you are a certain way, or you don't have a belief system or whatnot. You know, I don't knock you for that, but don't knock yeah. me for that as well. You know. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, you know, because you know, like. Everyone has their own thing, you know, like there's there's people who are atheists, there's people who are faith, there's people who live secular lives, you know, hey, you know, like we're not the ones to judge, you know, but, you know, uh -huh. don't don't condemn me for what I do and I won't condemn you for what you do because a higher power judges you, not me, you know, but don't yeah. don't make fun of me because I like I do this or I do that basically, you know. Yeah, and if and if they do make fun of you, just don't take it to heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't let it hurt you or stop yeah. you from doing what you love to do. Yeah, but you know we're humans too, so like some people are sensitive to that. If someone's insulted, it was like, okay, give me grace. It's, I don't want to say something. You know, like oh god, yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and there's always going to be something, especially if we're we're a little off kilter, if we're feeling insecure about something. Uh, people's remarks are going to cut a little deeper, but when we get to the place where we can, uh, where they don't cut us, that's that's the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. You know, a famous actor, I forget which famous actor said it, it was a one of these macho guy actors, and he said um, something like, if you have a problem with me, call me. If you don't have my number, then you don't know me well enough to have a problem with me. Mm, <laughs> it's like, oh good. my gosh, I just love that. Because, you know, on social media, you know, if you have any kind of a platform, no matter how small, people are going to be making comments. Like, yeah, I think I got a comment on something the other day, and it was like, your stuff is cheesy, you're this and you're that. And I, was just like, I was able to laugh. You know, yeah. maybe five years ago, I would have been hurt by it. You know, but I was yeah. like, oh, well, they don't get it. They're not my audience. I, you know, I don't care. Because there's, you know, the 20% the that think what you're doing is stupid or doesn't matter, that's not who you're doing it for. You're doing it for the 80% that's going to, that's going to love it, that's going to, it's going to touch them in some way. And the world is going to be better because you put that out there. So you can't go around listening to the 20%. Yeah, especially that 20% is watching your video anyway and then giving a little critique about it. But they're still watching, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> good point, good point. You know, if they're hating on you, at least they're noticing you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, my friend Wallace DeMarie has a quote that I love. He said, haters are just confused fans. Mm, that's a good you know, one. They just, they don't, they, they're hating on you They just because they don't get it yet. Yeah. They're just a little confused right now. <laughs> yeah. They're probably still watching your videos like, let me see what she says because I, don't, I didn't like the first one. Let me just check yeah. it out, you know? <laughs> and then they'll keep watching yeah. and watching and hating. But you know what? You can hate from yeah. afar, but you're just giving me views and that's fine. You know? Like if you're... Yeah. You know, probably one day the message will hit you or something, or something will yeah. trigger you. But you know, this, this, you're, you're always planting seeds. So, what do you want to come up a harvest? Are you going to sow hateful seeds or loving seeds? You know, and mm -hmm. we just try to do our best to put good out into the world, and people will receive it or they won't. 
Yeah, that is so true. You know, especially in everything you do, especially in, you know, everybody's career is, you know, you have to deal with people that have different mindsets or different beliefs or mm-hmm. who who live differently from you. Um, especially like, you know, when I was living in New York and New York is very open, very free, very, you know, everyone's doing their own thing. And I'm sure Los Angeles is similar to New York. So it's like that same way, like everyone has their own belief, they're doing their own thing, like, um, um, like, how do you, you know, like, uh, I'm sure you have friends who, right, I, I don't, I, like, I don't know your friends, but I'm saying, I'm sure you have friends who believe certain things, or have different beliefs than you, like, how do you guys, like, get along, like, they, they respect you for you, basically, right, and you respect them for them, like, you don't judge, they don't judge yeah. you, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the key. And okay. and we can we can we can learn from everyone. Yeah. That's I think people stop growing when they think, Oh, I can only learn from this certain kind of person or I could never oh, I could never associate with that type of person. That's pretty narrow minded thinking and <laughs> <laughs> No, I think you just, you know, if you know you're around someone and there's certain topics that they don't like or certain things that are taboo, yeah. you don't talk about certain things, and, and then you respect that. If they don't feel comfortable talking about something, then you, yeah. you you know, you just don't talk about it with yeah. that person. I know. Always, my mother always said, don't talk about politics or religion. You don't talk about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's the there only thing. Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, yeah. I had a part, yeah, I had a small little gathering at my house, uh, just a few people over and and I was a little bit worried because I had different, all different kinds of people. And it was like, oh, you know, I was worried that there would be some of the political arguments going on since the election's coming up. But yeah. Everyone was cool and respected each other. And we kept it on, you know, neutral topics and, you know, <laughs> six distance, six feet apart. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know, but that's, you know, that's the way of the world, you know, like politics and religion, money, you know, there's like a lot of things people like, yeah. you know, not get, not get into arguments, but you get into your own belief system about. So, you know, sometimes, yeah, it, yeah sometimes it could be constructive and sometimes it could just go crazy depending on mm-hmm. the personalities you're, you're dealing with too. Yeah. I think as long as you're always in that space of being, um, open open to what other people are saying open to other points of view listening you know they're not necessarily going to change your viewpoint and you're not necessarily going to change theirs but knowing there's that openness and that coming from a place of love and wanting to understand where they're coming from i think people feel comfortable and they resonate towards that yeah you was talking about favorite poems and quotes on what is what is what is your go-to quote like what is your favorite quote oh my goodness I've got so many. So do you have um, one that you always, like, say? Is there a particular one that you always... Oh, I, well, I, I tag the end of every video that I do. At yeah. least I try to remember to. With my saying, live true, love hard, shine bright. And that kind of sums it all up of how, how I want to put myself out into the world. I want to live true to what I believe in my heart. Mm-hmm. I want to love hard, even if it hurts. And I want to shine bright. I want to be an example that people can say, you know what? She's been through some stuff, but look, she's still shining. She's still leading the way. She didn't, you know, let what she's gone through hold her back or keep her down. She's still lighting the path so others can see where they're going and they don't trip. So live true, love hard, shine bright. Yeah. 
Awesome. Um, is there, um, I know you're from Minnesota, you haven't been to the Midwest in a while, is there a particular, like, favorite food you used to get out in Minnesota that you love? Like, you know, here we got the cheese curds, we got, like, yeah. certain things, cream puffs, and the, and, like, when they have the, the, the things, have you had, like, a particular food that you missed that you haven't had in a while? You know, not really, because when I lived in Minnesota, I ate super unhealthy. <laughs> I, and like, really, I, yeah. So nothing that I would be craving now. That's one thing California helped me with was eating a little healthier. There's, you know, there's much more fresh fruits and vegetables and produce available than when you're living somewhere where it's, you know, cold six months out of the year. Yeah. So, um, no, I just love, like, I just love the California food and a lot of I'm I'm actually vegan so uh, okay. so many more choices of restaurants to eat and things like that I know I don't fit in when I go back to Minnesota anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> you I don't... know you say oh yeah I'm, I'm vegan so they serve you fish <laughs> and, and I'm yep. like um I don't eat fish oh I thought you just said you didn't eat meat I'm like well fish is, is <laughs> fish isn't meat and so people don't understand <laughs> but yeah. other than that no it's fine, I, and I can find something everywhere I go because there's always, you know, vegetables and potatoes and salads and pasta and breads, and there's there's plenty. So I, I don't complain about that stuff. But I did fall in love with avocados when I moved to California. I never really had those in Minnesota. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they weren't maybe only once or twice in my life. I don't, yeah, it wasn't like a regular yeah. thing. They were like, they'd be like five bucks a piece for them yeah. <laughs> in Minnesota. Oh my god. Maybe it's not like maybe it's not like that anymore, but um that's yeah. something I enjoy quite uh, frequently. Yeah, usually you get like a big pack of avocados at Aldi's, you know, they usually you get them. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that might maybe that was more prevalent in New York or maybe was it a cultural thing for you? I don't know. Yeah. But growing up a Scandinavian, uh, my mom's 100% Norwegian and my dad is mostly Swedish. Oh, ah, okay. A few other things. It just wasn't in our we, we never had avocados in any recipe book in any of our mm, Scandinavian food. Yeah. It wasn't, um, there's a lot of, you know, Minnesota's a lot of hot dishes. And, yeah. Yeah. Everything is like noodles and cheese and tuna and <laughs> yep, yep. And, yeah. Stew, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's true, yeah, because avocado's, like, really big, so I always had that all my life, but, yeah, like you said, noodles and, and like, meats pretty much was mm -hmm. your thing back in the day, especially Scandinavian. Yeah. yeah. Or sure. here, here, yeah, yeah, here big is brats. Everybody loves brats, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, my husband's, uh, my husband's sister lives in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, Her what part? Kids. Ki Kiwani? Oh, is that that's probably up north somewhere? I think that's not close to. I north. have no idea. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't know if I've ever been there. Really? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Well, well yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess there's no reason to come really like that, you know. But um, you know, people. Wisconsin is not the destination getaway, but you know, people come here because they have like the Dells, you know, like you said, the Wisconsin Yeah, maybe Dells in the summertime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, usually, like, the weather, like, when it snows, it snows. And when it's hot, it's hot. So it gets really, really bad. It's not a, it's not a happy medium either way. <laughs> and the mosquitoes. Oh, my God. Oh, don't get me started on that. That's, like, the national mascot of Wisconsin. Mosquitoes. Um, That's what we say about Minnesota. It's the state bird. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I mean, bugs galore. They have those... um. 
those cicada bugs, and then you got those stink bugs. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on that. We still have stink bugs now, and, and it's cold, so I still don't get why oh. they don't die. I'm like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> they're all over the place. You know. That's funny. Yeah, but um, I'm sorry, I'm getting off track. Um, <laughs> talking about bugs. Um, it's all good. <laughs> um, um, so like doing um film and doing television and doing all these things that you do um do you do you feel like this like this is your calling like you said this is what you came to los angeles for like you feel content in what you're doing in life like this is it for you uh yes and no yes and no i think i i I think um i'm starting to segue into wanting to do more um a little less Less, less acting and more, I want to do motivational speaking. I want to do, I want to put out books and courses that will help people. And, you know, I feel like I can do both, mm-hmm. but there may come a time where I'm going to, if, if I had to choose one or the other, that would be really tough for me. Oh. And um, uh, when I was just acting in a lot of stuff before, I didn't have as much fulfillment as I do now. Uh, now that I've been acting in over 75 productions for Darman Studios, I feel a little more satisfaction just because I know the stories are making an impact on people. Yeah. And they're just little short inspirational, motivational things. And I get emails or direct messages every single day telling with people telling me how much it's made a difference in their lives. You know, every all the other films I did, I never really got that, you know, being on different episodes of tv shows like yeah. snapped or malcolm in the middle or yeah. um what all whatever horror films you didn't get people going wow that really changed my life that helped me you know apologize to so-and-so who i was holding a grudge against or that restored my marriage or that you know for me i think it's unless your calling pierces through the hearts of humanity you maybe haven't taken it all the way you can take it. If you're calling, if, if what your dreams are is just, I don't want to say selfish, but I'm going to say selfish. Mm-hmm. If it's only for your status, your fame, to make a difference in your life, and you're, then I feel like it's kind of empty and hollow when you haven't made the contribution to humanity that you are meant to make. Yeah. So it's not that you can't live your goals and dreams and be some big thing. And, and a lot of celebrities and uh, big movie stars have proven this by they don't just do the acting thing. They've got some charity they're doing. They're they're going and building you know clean water drinking wells in impoverished countries. They're 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 tying their status and fame and success into helping others. And I I feel like if you don't do that, it gets kind of empty and shallow when you're only living for yourself. Suddenly, you're not. You get to a point where You've won all the awards, you've done everything, and, and you're not satisfied. But there's actually a quote by Jim Carrey. I, I'm not going to quote it word for word, but he says something like, I wish everybody could become rich and famous and get everything they want in life so that they can see that is not the answer. Hmm. Yeah. So you get to the point where, you know what, I've had every, I've had every gorgeous woman there is. I've had people throw themselves at me. I've bought everything that I've ever desired and I still feel empty inside yeah and there's a, a hole left in, in you that you know only God can fill and and being a servant to others can fill you know they, they say in order to have joy in life that the acronym for joy is Jesus 
others, and then yourself. Mm. That's that's so true. That's so true, you know, because there's there's people who have all this money and, you know, they're miserable. And there's people that you know don't have anything and you know it's like usually the opposite. Some people who don't they don't have much. They just have enough, but they're content. You know, but yeah, I mean, just, you see, you, it, yeah. it shocks you every time you see a news a news thing come up that some rich and famous person has killed themselves, and you're yeah. like, what? They had everything. Yeah. Why would they do? <laughs> it's like sometimes hard to understand, but when you have that emptiness that no material thing can fill. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Catherine. Let me ask you. Um. What, in your yeah. opinion, what is what is the uh, the key to a successful marriage, a successful commitment? Uh, well, you go into your marriage or your relationship with both eyes wide open, <laughs> and then once you're in it, you got like one eye closed and the other one squinting. Yeah. <laughs> you just you try to you you make sure you're going into it. You got every you know everything about them but then once you're in it and all their idiosyncrasies start to show up and all the things that you'd like are starting to drive you crazy if you let it you start to let it go you go mm -hmm. you know what this little thing that they do i'm not gonna let that annoy me i'm not gonna let that bother me it's funny how the things you thought was cute when you were dating someone becomes infuriating when you're married when you're married you're like i can't believe you're still doing that <laughs> oh it drives me crazy you know i i think i'm i think i'm the worst my i, I I'm, I'm kind of a messy person, and I leave my clothes on the, you know, I leave my clothes on the bed and clothes on the couch and clothes on the, I don't always put my clothes away, and I don't, it just drives my husband nuts because he's a little on the neat freak side. side? I okay. Don't always, they don't always shut the drawer all the way. I don't always close the cupboard. <laughs> it just <laughs> drives him nuts. So we both have things where we have to just kind of turn a blind eye. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to close the, I'm just going to finish closing the drawer. I'm like, oh, I thought I closed it. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'll pick that up tomorrow, I promise. <laughs> so I think everyone has something that, that they starts to annoy them in a marriage. And I think if you just, if you just focus on what you love and why you're together, um, and also having common goals, having not necessarily in the like, oh, I want to be a chef and he wants to be an engineer. But common like life goals, family goals, where you see yourself together. I think it's important to dream together, to, you know, lay outside and hold hands under the stars and talk about, hey, where do you see us five years from now? Where do you see us 10 years from now? And making plans to get there together. How are we going to achieve that? What are we going to do? You know, I think... Sometimes with social media, you can just sit on the couch together and you're miles apart because you're both on your phones talking to different people. Your mind is somewhere else. And taking that time without electronics to connect and look into each other's eyes and say, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking about? What, what's, been, what's been tough for you this week? Is there anything you're going through that, you know, we can pray about? Or, you know, I think just taking that time to reconnect that's been super hard this year because, you know, we used to have date nights, you know, at least twice a month. Yeah. And with everything being closed, there's, there we haven't had, a, we have had one date night in probably seven or eight months. Oh, wow. So it's, it's easy to get to the, you know, in California, everything was closed down. I know certain places it isn't as closed down. I just went to a restaurant for the first time a couple of days ago. It was outdoor seating out in the parking lot you know it's like 
I don't know if I really want to pay all that money to go sit outside in a parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, we haven't been out much. And so you have to be specific to take that time and, and reconnect. And yeah, I think that's important to dream together. I would say that's what it is to dream together, love together, um, share your faith together. Yeah, I see. Um, and um, winding down, Catherine. Um, my final question for you is: What would the Catherine of today tell the Catherine of yesterday? Hmm. Everything is going to be okay. Don't stress about the things you're stressing about. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Just focus on today. Do what you can do when you can do it, because there may come a time when you can't do it. So, don't. Don't leave any box unopened. Explore everything you want to in life. Don't be afraid of what anyone else thinks of you. Be your true self. Don't hide yourself under a bushel. Just go out and live life and smile and have fun and don't worry what others think of you. Mm, powerful words. Hopefully the other Catherine will listen and be like, you know what? All right, I'll listen to you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be talking yep, to you yep. right now. If my yesterday Catherine didn't listen. I wouldn't be here. I'd be like, I can't be on a podcast. People tell me my voice is horrible. <laughs> Look, your voice is fine. Um, <laughs> um, Catherine, yeah. pr- um, promote your social media. Promote your website if you have. Promote anything you have sure. got coming up. Okay, so if they want to follow me on Facebook, it's Kat Norland, K-A-T-N as in Nancy, O-R-L-A-N-D, and my Instagram is Catherine Norland, and I would love to give all of your listeners uh, a free copy of one of my books. Oh, wow. So they can get that by going to my website, Poetic Prescriptions. So I write poetry instead of pills to cure your emotional and spiritual ills. So they can get it by going to poeticprescriptions.com forward slash free book. That's poeticprescriptions.com forward slash free book. Oh, wow. Free. My favorite four-letter word, free. Yes. (laughs) Yes, free book. And, oh, I'll let you know before anybody else, I am launching my third book this Friday. Did I tell you that? I don't know. I just decided yesterday I'm going to launch it Friday. This Friday coming up? Okay. Yeah, October 30th. Okay. Oh, wow. So, like, wow. So, be right before Halloween, (laughs) right there. Yeah. Well, you know, October's my birthday month, so I wanted to make sure to get it out as a kind of a birthday present to myself. (laughs) Oh, happy birthday. When is your birthday? It was the 22nd. Oh, 22nd. Oh, happy belated. Oh. Thank you. Oh, yeah. wow. Catherine, so awesome. And you're so inspiring. I, you know, sometimes, like, I feel down. I look at I look at your video. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's motivation. Sometimes, you know, you can read motivation. But when you have, when you click on a video and someone's, like, feel like you feel, I feel like you're talking to me. It's just like, okay. Yeah. You know, like I needed that at that moment, at that present moment, because, you know, yeah. I have struggles just like everybody else or days where I feel like useless, where I feel like, what is the purpose mm-hmm. for all this? And then just seeing that just gives me a little bit of inspiration. And, you know, it's like, you know what, you know, it, 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 you know, I always, you know, I always tell myself it always could be worse. It always could be worse. Oh, and, yeah. You know, yeah. Keep, yeah. Keep focusing on the positive. That happened to me the other day. I was watching a video uh, by I think the pastor was Rex Crane. And he's talking and I'm just sitting there crying. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I needed to hear this. Yeah. 
So that's what we can do for each other. <laughs> yeah, like when I was in New York, I used to go to a lots of Times Square church and hearing like Nikki Cruz and David Wilkerson, it was just like, whoa, you know, like. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Awesome. Yeah, humongous. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Catherine, but thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And um, hopefully we can talk again down the road and just update, like, we keep, you know, update each other, see what's going on. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Ephraim. Thank you so much, Catherine. I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.